And we're back. Welcome back, people. This is Emerging Nine Golf Podcast. Here with the boys, McLean and Jay. I am Mike. Happy to have you back. Sorry, we're um, a day late recording this week than we usually are. This is Tuesday night. Um, we'll get this out on Wednesday. So I apologize to those listening that are just dying every Tuesday to listen to us. Got to wait one more day. So we apologize. But how are you, gents? Wonderful. Yep, doing great. Good, good. Super what we, excited. What are we drinking? <laughs> Super excited. That's it. Uh, Corona Light, mixing it up. Jeez. I think from now on, I'm just going to ask Jay. Jay, what are you drinking? Yeah, I'm no longer <laughs> interesting. Like, I have totally, <laughs> I'm unvalidified during this segment. <laughs> I, um, I'm going with the Jefferson Reserve. I've got some. Uh, I should know the ex- what bottle it is. I'm, I'm not sure which one. I think it's Pritchard Hill, the cask, sherry cask, something like that. Um, but it's pretty good. I, I'm, you know, Jefferson Reserve is okay. It's not my favorite, but it'll do for a Tuesday nice. night. Nice. There you go. Yeah. I'm just drinking water tonight again. I think oh, it was last week. Yeah, too. You, you were making well, fun of McLean, and then you come back with you, water. Like, I was, I was getting Well, no, that. I'm just making fun of him because it's it's the same every week. Well, I'm pretty sure uh, next week, if you do it again, that's three times, and that's called a fucking streak, okay? That is a pattern. Um, well, I'm going to blame Lindy here because I don't know what it is, man. Dinner did not sit well with me tonight, so Uh-oh. Um, I figured I need to take it a little easy. I'll just spare your details, but dinner did not go down too well. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Luckily, Lindy does not listen. To no, this. she'll not. No Never chance. hear it. Never, Never hear it. this. Just kidding, Lindy. What's I love here? you. Well, what um, you guys so I mean, yeah, I, again, just water. I will. No, I'm not, not done talking about dinner because I'm already in a hole. So <laughs> <laughs> if she does listen, she listens like to the first 10 minutes of the podcast. And then we start talking about golf and she tunes out and she turns it off. So she's going to hear this and, you know, I'll I'll have my rebuttal ready. <laughs> I will say I had a, a great bourbon Lindy's that I hadn't, never had, in, hadn't had forever on Saturday night. I had some Widow Jane. Oh, yeah. Or was it the Friday night? The I can't remember. I don't remember. It was late in the night. I was a little drunk. Uh, we went out celebrating Lindy's birthday on Friday. And I saw it behind the bar. I'm like, yeah, give me that. So I don't it know what year, but it's good. Yeah. I think the segments, what are we drinking tonight? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, it's just, what are you drinking? Yeah. There you go. Is that yeah. some special ion, you know, infused or something crazy water? Uh, no, water? it's just. Just water from my fridge. <laughs> Tap water. Well, then it's, it's filtered. Probably really good. Oh, nice. Stepping it up, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big Going time. The filtered. So let's let's get into some golf, especially after this weekend. My boy, Jordan Spieth, back in the winner's mm. circle. Jay's already rolling his eyes. This is going to be fun. He gets it done. Shoots a 66 on Sunday. Beats can't lay in a playoff and has a tartan jacket to go with his green jacket. What'd you boys make of Mr. Spieth? Well, I'll I'll go ahead. <laughs> I'll go you ahead. Can already see the look on Jay's yeah, face. We'll let, we'll let Jay, you know, roast for a minute and think about how fiery he's gonna come out. But um, I'll tell you the real winner this week was the RBC Heritage. Um, this is probably the deepest field they've ever had. And to have Jordan Spieth and Patrick Cantlay in a playoff 
I mean, Steve Wilmot had to be absolutely losing his mind. And congrats to uh, congrats to them. They run a great tournament. I've had the pleasure of going there many times. I got a caddy for my dad in that tournament one year. Um, so I've got I've got certainly fond memories of being there. I uh, probably have been to that golf tournament more than any other golf tournament that I've ever been to. So I, I like I said, I certainly have fond memories, and I'm excited to see them garner such a big field. And I hope we can build on that and see that happen uh, again in years and years ahead. Uh, as far as Jordan Spieth winning, I mean, I thought it was fantastic for him. Um, I think it it gives him a really nice confidence boost. Uh, I think especially winning over Patrick Cantlay is something that, you know, well, I, I maybe I should take that back because he did get screwed. Cantlay got screwed in the playoff. So maybe that might not be the best way to look at it. But I think winning over so many top players right there at the top is something that he can draw a lot of confidence from. Um, it looks like he is really hitting the ball well with this new move that he's working on. I don't see a huge change in it, but I definitely know that he's rehearsing the golf swing a lot differently. So as we know uh, many times, and Jay can tell you, your golf swing can sometimes feel different. And Mike can tell you as well, it might feel different, um, but it doesn't necessarily look worlds apart from where you were. So he's got a new move that he's obviously working on. I think to see him win a golf tournament with uh, clubs that have over four degrees of loft on it is really impressive. You know, historically, everything that he's done, um, I won't say totally relied on the putter, but the putter was, I think, one of the reasons that he got it done. And I don't think he could have done it without it. You know, he made so many long putts and those wins and that run he went on years ago um, to see him come out and really kind of do it with his irons driving the ball. Um, I think it's impressive. Um, if the one thing I will say, if he had not won that golf tournament, Missing that short putt on Saturday, I think, uh, I think lingers a little longer with him than um, it would have considering he won. Now he won. He can look back on it. But I mean, you talk about winning by the hair of your chin in a playoff and having to go up, up against Patrick Cantlay, who's without question been obviously playing better than Jordan has over the last uh, stretch of however long you want to look back at it. Yeah. Um you know, I, I I really hate that Cantlay got that fried egg there on 18. I would have loved to see that playoff maybe go a little bit farther. Let's see two of our top players um, duel it out for a couple of holes. I think that would have been a, some great suspenseful TV and yeah, some entertaining for some of the better, um, the bigger golf fans out there. But at the end of the day, again, I, I think what Jordan did was great. What Jordan did that I thought was the best was talking to the kids after the playoff or before the playoff. And saying, guys, I've got to go see if I'm going to be in this playoff, how it's going to happen. I promise you, I will come back. If you wait here, I promise you, I will come back. And two hours later, he came back and he signed all the autographs in his starting jacket. That, to me, really plays into one of the reasons why I think he's great for the sport. He's great for juniors. He's great for people to be able to draw um, or, or kind of consider themselves role models or consider Jordan a role model for, you know, with my son, uh, if I was watching him do that. I'd say, you know, that's, that's the kind of guy you want to be. If you get in that position, make sure you go back and show time to the people who appreciate you. So at the end of the day, uh, I know there's going to be a little bit different take coming up, but uh, I thought it was great for golf. It was a really good golf weekend. It was a, an event that historically has not been viewed as one of the top events that all of a sudden uh, had a field and provided some great uh, drama. So um, I, I, I thought it was a good week. And again, congrats to the uh, RBC heritage, Steve Wilmot and the heritage foundation. Nice, yeah. dude. That was a good little plug on the RBC with all those names, name drops. That was sweet. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, a I very agree. small community. 
Yeah, well, no, I, I think you're right. I think that that whole that island, I guess you could say, is it's such a cool um it's just a cool setup. Like you don't there's we don't have any golf tournaments on the PGA tour with that kind of like you said, community. You know, it's it's small, it's tight. Everything about that place is small and tight, but it's very unique, has a lot of character. And I'm, I, I am glad that more guys played in it. We've talked about this before, you know, having some of these guys play in some of these these tournaments with these golf courses that have more character. They're not just the bomb and gouge, you know, you know 7,600-yard golf courses with very little character. Um, but this course is one of them. And I think it's, I think it's kind of cool um, that a lot of the guys went and played in it. So I actually watched a ton of the, the golf this week just because, you know, Easter – Weekend families in town, you know, you know, had both uh, my parents, in-laws in town. They're big golfers, so we watched a lot of it, um, and it was fun to see all these guys could kind of back and forth. But um, back to your point with Jordan Spieth, I mean, I don't, I don't dislike Jordan at all. I, I think you made some great comments. He is great for the game. He's great for the juniors. Um, so that part I love. Um, so that's that's partly why I do like him. Um, I do think he is like he maximizes everything that he's that he's got. Like it, it, it's a it's 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 a really cool story. I mean, he is definitely not um, the most. I shouldn't say skilled. I mean, he is he is a skilled guy, but talented, I guess. Physically gifted. He's not as gifted as some of these guys, and he's making it right. making it work. Um, and it's it is amazing. Like he is. He's really an average ball striker, um, you know, over the course of his career. He's when he's playing well, he's a great wedge player, iron player, and has been he's got a great short game. He drives it uh, below average in terms of distance and accuracy. Um, so he's not a very great driver of the golf ball. Historically, when he's playing well and he's playing on the right course and he can he can have a couple squirrely tee balls, um, then he obviously, you know, can put himself put himself in the in the mix, which obviously he did this week. Um, and I think for him, a lot of that was because he didn't have to hit driver. I mean, I, and McLean, you've caddied this course quite a bit. I don't know how many holes he was able to not not hit driver on. Uh, you know, of the you know fourteen holes, par fours or par fives. I mean, I'd say he didn't he hit driver on less than half of them, if not more than that. Um, and I think that certainly helped helps him uh, tremendously. And then you take somebody like Dustin Johnson, who missed the cut, who uh, his strength is his driver, really. Uh, and, you know, you take that out of his hands and now he's just kind of another one of the guys, you know, I shouldn't say that he's won he's won this on this golf course before. But, you know, historically, you wouldn't think that he would play. He he would really play well on the golf course like that. But. Um, I, again, I think it was really cool to have all these guys out there. I hope they keep doing it. I hope it's, they find ways to attract these guys to come. Cause it's a, it's a cool, a cool event really has a lot of character to it. So it's fun to watch. Yeah. I think it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about in terms of not having a golf course that has to be 8,000 yards, but still be very competitive. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't shoot 20 under out there this week and there was some yeah. certain drama that, that kind of played into it. And I think a lot of that's from the course design. Um, back to Jordan Spieth real quick, because looking at some of his stats, it's a little bit surprising um, comparatively with who we saw at, earlier in his career and who he is right this second who just won this golf tournament. You know, his strokes gained off the tee is 38th 
approach to the green 31st around the green 48th strokes game putting 179th. I would have mm-hmm. lost that bet. Had I not have looked at that, I, I would have absolutely told you, yeah. you know, Jordan Spieth's strokes game putting is inside of the top 175. I don't know how much money I would have put on that, but I'm telling you it would have been a lot. And I thought I'd have felt pretty <laughs> safe about it. Um, Tita green 19th strokes game total 46. So we're definitely see him get it done um, with his clubs right now. And the thing that really surprises me is that his driving distance, he's averaging 306 and he's currently ranked 37. Whatever this new move that he's working on, he's gained some power and he's obviously hitting the ball better than what we've seen previously. Now, what's suffering is his putting. But I think one of the signs of great players when you look back in time is that they were able to win in different ways. They didn't always win just by using the putter. They didn't always win just by ball striking. They were able to kind of get it done in different facets. You know, guys won, well, I didn't really putt that well this week, but I was still able to get it done. I didn't hit the ball that well this week, but I was still able to get it done. I was able to rely on my putter. You know, Tiger obviously had a ton of tournaments where we heard him kind of class categorize his tournament uh, performance, kind of using some of those same uh, same adjectives. But at the end of the day, uh, I I'm interested to see if this Jordan Spieth can perform the way the Jordan Spieth we once knew did, is he going to be that same level of player or is, is he peaking out kind of where he is right now? So we'll, we'll see. I think time will tell. So I what's, think what's the, oh, sorry, Mike, I'll, real quick while you got the stats up. What's, yeah. what's the, what's the Jordan ranked in terms of strokes gain around the green, like short around game. the green, he's 48th. So okay. So that's top still, 50 still, still, still good. Um, yeah. I guess they, that includes his putting stats. And does that, does that no. include putting stats on around? No, that doesn't, in, doesn't include putting stats, but the one that surprised me is really off the T 38. Now driving accuracy, he's 126. So he's not hitting it extremely straight, um, but, but he's hitting it further than he's used to, but he's hitting it a lot further than he's used to and approach to the green. He's 31st. So we know he's hitting a decent amount of greens. I mean, he's ranking, he's ranked 24th in greens of regulation, hitting just under 70% of his greens. Um, so we know he's getting it done uh, 16th in scrambling, getting up and down basically 66% of the time, two out of three. So, you know, he's getting it done in a little bit different ways. I- I'm interested to see what this Jordan uh, is capable of. To, to kind of both your points, one of the reasons I like Jordan is, you know, Jay, you said he's not the most talented or physically gifted golfer out there. McLean, you talked about getting the golf ball in the hole in different ways. That's what I like about him. He gets the golf ball in the hole. He's one of the best on tour at getting the golf ball in the hole. And at the end of the day, this is why we play this game. Now, he has a flair for the dramatic. Hell, I mean, just in this tournament alone, the back nine Saturday, he you know, uses a putter from a good ways off the green on 15, makes eagle. You know, misses that short putt, which he said it was on 18. He said he was absolutely killing him that night and even yesterday morning. And he even thought about it when he walked off the 18th green. He thought it was going to cost him a shot. He goes, that's that's going to cost me the tournament right there, that shot on 18. What is he? This is, this is, I mean, again, we're, we're, we're talking about professional golfers on the PJ Tour. Now, we have all done this multiple times, just lack of focus, but. You know, he has done that a lot in the last two years. Miss these, go to tap in and miss these. It's been a, it's been a, I, a, a ton in the last even just two or three months. I see clips of him all the time. If I'm not paying attention, someone will put him up on social media of him missing another putt inside of three feet. It's been I, a lot. I, what is he doing? Like, I mean, that one was, it was, it was just, I guess, careless is the right word. I mean, like I said, we've all done it, but you know, you think of a, of a guy who hits that many putts 
throughout the course of a week or a month or a year. And it's like, what, what happened? Where, where's the breakdown? I mean, he can make those with his eyes closed. Typically. Typically. So something is, yeah. What, what, what's going on? It's just so bizarre to me to see him. I mean, that was, what was it? Not even, was it a Eight, foot? It was 18 inches. Was what they measured inches, it. So yeah. Just over a foot. Well, it's funny. So Obviously. I was, I was standing there watching him. I saw him hit that approach shot on 18 and I'm like, Oh man, he just kind of like stuffed it to that back left flag. It was a hell of an iron shot back there. And I left the room. I had to go do something for a minute and I came back and I was expecting to see him go from nine to 10 on the little mini scoreboard at the yeah. bottom of the screen. And he wasn't there. I'm like, what the hell happened? So I go to my phone. I'm like, wait, wait, why is he at eight under? I'm like, there's no way he three putted that. And I'm like, mm. holy shit. Like, yeah, I, I don't know, but I do like that. He just gets the golf ball in the hole. And if he can get his putter going now, I'm not sure I completely trust the new move just yet. I mean, again, he did rank first in this event. T to green. He was 60th in putting this event. He even came off and said, I just want a golf tournament without my putter. Yep. And the stats back that up. I mean, he was one of the last guys that made the cut in putting yet. He was first in Tita green. So, but like, look at the, I mean, the playoff, he didn't hit any balls, which I thought was bizarre. That was weird. He's, so, uh, he waited an hour inside, didn't hit any balls and then comes out and flails this three wood out to the right and leaves himself two ten in. And yeah, while Cantley, scratching you know, when he 30, hit the three wood. Yeah. He, he, you see his expression. He's like, Oh God. I was like, well, dude, why didn't you hit any balls and warm up? Yeah. Like, good gracious. I know it's a easy, it's 80. The, that hole is 81 yards wide. So it's like the most hit fairway on the PGA tour, the 18th at, at, at uh, RBC, but still like, if you, you know, if you flail one out <laughs> to the right, you're going to leave yourself a long way in. Like what? I don't know. That, yeah. He, you tug it left, the Calabogie sound is still right there. Um, yeah, it, it worked out, but you know, anyway, um, that just, that kind of blew my mind. Why I mean, he didn't warm I, up I, and then I wouldn't be surprised if he was just caught flat footed. I don't think he expected to get into a playoff. Yeah. And I was shocked that he got into the playoff to begin with. Like, sure. Yeah, I agree. You know, you had Lowry on, I forget what was it, 13? I, mean, I don't know why he hit that chip that way. I, I thought he almost needed to lay up that chip that he ended up hitting in the water yeah. makes double. Yeah. That's a hard-ass chip with that whole location was. Like, yeah. just, you, that's why like when you, okay, hit it to 20 feet into yeah. the fat of the green and it, see if I can chances. make a par putt. Yeah. I mean, he would have been one in especially 50 with the for lead. him to get it closed. Yeah, especially with the lead. Yeah. You know, so I think he was a little lucky, and I think he might have been a little surprised that these guys they didn't birdie 15, the par five. 17 was a wedge downwind for those guys on Sunday. You know, so I think I don't know if he was just a little caught off guard or, or what there, but yeah, it's it's good when he wins. It's good when he's around. You're right, McLean. I, I do wish the the playoff went a little longer between Spieth and Cantley, two of the top Americans going at it at a cool golf course. Let's let's watch that for a little bit longer, you know. Then basically three shots, and then okay. Um, I mean, Cantlay made a. I mean, in my opinion, made a kind of a bad play on eighteen. Um, you know, your playing partner's got two hundred plus and hits it in the front bunker. You've got, you know, hundred. What he had one hundred seventy yards, roughly. Yeah. And I, I get it. You know, he was trying. Everyone was trying to land it just on the front edge and bounce it up. But you know, your playing partner's in the bunker. You know, give yourself a putt, even if it's 20 feet behind the hole. He tried to hit nine iron from 170. Same yeah. club he hit in the, in the in the regulation. I was just like, I mean, 
especially at sea level, like you better smash that thing. And he's not the longest guy out there. Um, but you know, I thought I, he got a bad break and it plugged, uh, but I think that that was more of a, a poor club choice in my opinion. I mean, you're really stretching that. Um, when it's, it would be different if, if, if Jordan Spieth were on the green with a, like a 15 foot and like, Hey, we've got a, this is the club to make birdie. But yes. You need to, you need to hit the club to give yourself a birdie putt par at worst. Um, in that situation, especially how good of a putter he is too. Yeah, exactly. So, so, but it's, it's amazing. Golf balls do plug on the PGA tour. I just thought that was crazy. I get told otherwise yeah. all the time. It's weird. Um, <laughs> it, happens. it happens rarely, not that often, <laughs> but it does happen. But I, I will say, I think Harbor town really did shine this week. And you know, the more I think about it, Mike, we were just talking about it a second ago. And, you know, while you were thinking, while you were talking to it, kind of, uh, started running through my head. I'm not so certain that the guys having to hit different clubs off the tee is not kind of getting back to the original craft of the game. I'm not so I certain. Maybe that's not, uh, maybe not a little bit better. We're seeing a little bit more variety. You just can't get up there and just yeah. rip drivers 14 times around. Well, it brings uh, strategy into play too. How far exactly do you want to hit right. it? What shot, what kind of angle do you want to play versus everyone just wail away at driver, you yeah. know, give, give guys options. Yeah. Someone might want to hit a driver. They can if they yeah. want to, but some guy might hit an iron too. Like yeah, like uh, nine, for example, at Harbor Town. You know, you could try to drive it up there close to the green or into the front bunker potentially, or you can go ahead and lay it back and hit a, a hybrid sand wedge in there. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think maybe that variety cool. might might intrigue some guys. You know, your distance still plays a factor a couple times around. It could play a factor nine times around. It could play a factor seven times around but having a little bit more variety we know i want to see drivers on every par five i will never say i want to see anything less than a driver on a par five you should be able to rip that but i'm not so certain every par four needs to be a driver yeah i, no, I, I think having the variety in there and i okay. think having driver optional holds is big as well yeah i i think i i think you're right though i know you keep saying that you, you know rb the uh harbor town won won this week and I, I kind of agree. I mean, I was into it and there was a lot of guys in, in the mix and it was, it had some drama at the end. Yeah. There was one point there was like and, seven guys at 12 under or something like that. Yeah. It, that's fun. I mean, everybody wants to see a good competition. I mean, I probably had just as much fun watching the ending of Harbor Town as I did watching, you know, Scotty Sheffield four putt the last hole to win by three or whatever it was at, at Augusta. Yeah. You know, I mean, and everybody's I'm watching I'm watching the Masters because I love it. But the last six holes, it was like, oh, this is, you know, all right. This is you know, yeah. we know who's going to win here unless yeah. something catastrophic happens. And you don't really want to don't really want to watch. I mean, even if you have somebody else that say you put some money on the the guy who's right right behind him. I mean, yes, you want that guy to win. But do you really want to watch a guy? you know, go double, double or whatever to, to lose the Masters So your guy can win a bet. I mean, what kind of odds do I have on that other guy? Yes. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I mean, that's, it's like, it's because we all play golf. I mean, we understand how difficult it is to win at any level at any tournament, regardless of field size. And you're looking at a guy who's trying to make a life changing event and he's played his tail off or, you know, 63 holes. And then, you know, you're, you're rooting for him to make doubles coming in to, to try to, you know, make it, make it uh, a drama filled finish. And I was like, that's, 
I'd rather it already be there rather than me wishing for a guy to make bogeys and doubles. Like I don't, I don't really like that. So, and as, and as um, you're saying that there's a uh, 30 for 30 going on right now about Greg Norman. <laughs> I know, you know, I was at that masters, you know, I was there. That was the only time I ever went 1996. Um, and I've told that story in a bunch, but I was there with my dad and we, we were there for practice round and I actually, Greg Norman was the man, you know, and Nick Faldo was the man. We watched both of those guys in the practice round. Um, and then obviously we ended up following Tiger, uh, Jack and Arnie play the only time that they've ever played together in any, um, you know, professional event or practice round. I think they've played together in some other little exp, uh, um, some ex, uh, what's the word? I'm Exhibition. Exhibition matches, I think, but this is the only time that they ever played together. Um, from, from my, from my understanding. And, uh, so we followed them around the whole time, but yeah, Faldo and, uh, and Greg Norman were there. We watched them and, you know, he was, Faldo was just dominating. You know, it's like, I mean, not Faldo, but Norman was dominating the whole, the whole week. And then to see that, it's like, it makes you feel sick to your stomach. Like, I don't care if you like the guy, hate the guy, whoever, whatever your feelings are to any of these players. If a guy's playing that well for that long, you're like, all right, just, all right, let's make it fun, but just get it done. You know, that yeah. that's always been my thing with like at the masters, like when I'm watching, like, all right, if you want to make a couple of bogeys and then make a couple of birdies, let's make it fun to the end, but just get it done. I don't want to see you completely fall on your face there, but, and, I, and he, obviously he did. And Faldo was the beneficiary, but of all people. Yeah. I'm but, sure that just pleased Norman to. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So what, um, what are your takes on a couple of the guys that were, were up there, you know, Varner and Lowry, uh, Lowry's been playing awesome this year. It's his third really close call in an event. Varner's been up there in a few events. He obviously won that event over at that country. I forgot who it was run by. Um, Sa- Saudi. Oh, there you go. God, sorry. Saudis. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't know if you needed me to insert that. And so I don't know. I, I, I'm God, I want Harold Varner to win. I want him to win the PJ tour. He's just fun to watch. It's just, I don't he's know. Going well, he's, he's going, going to. He's going to. Yeah, he's going to. And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of kind of the homemade move a little bit. He's working with Butch Harmon right now. And the one thing we've seen from a lot of uh, Butch Harmon students is wins on the PGA Tour, especially guys with that talent level. Um, Butch has been always really good about keeping your own swing but just kind of simplifying it and tightening it up a little bit. You know, that's what he did with Ricky Fowler when Ricky kind of went on a tear. Well, we won't talk about where he is right this second, but at the same time, um, no, he did no, a lot. not working with Butch, though, either. So, Well, there's his mistake right there, you know? Um, what we saw from Tiger when Tiger was with him was what I would argue is probably one of the greatest swings that we've ever witnessed. Not imagine the results that it produced. Um Behind that, when he went to Hank Haney, you know, I don't know that anyone that was really a big fan of his laid off swing. I mean, it obviously produced results and the guy played incredible with it, which, again, is something that I think speaks to his talent level of winning with that many different golf swings. But at the end of the day, um, I think Harold Varner III, without question, will win on the PGA Tour. He's a really good dude, and if you spend a bunch of time around him, you'd, you'd figure out how nice the guy is. I haven't been around him a whole lot, but I know a lot of people that have, and I have been around him a short period of time to kind of get a feeling of um, who he is and kind of his his laid-back mentality, you know, product of Gastonia Country Club out there in Gastonia, North Carolina. 
Um, and he prefers to stay out there and uh, he enjoys it. So um, I, I look forward to seeing him doing bigger things, representing ECU on Sundays and, and as he would say, doing it big. Yeah. A quick point on, on Butch Harmon. You were talking about him. I think Butch Harmon is the greatest golf psychologist. That's not a golf psychologist. Yes. Yeah. He, when he works with players, like you said, he kind of keeps what they have. He fine tunes it, but he is the king of working on their head and how they think and how they play the game of golf and how they go about it from a course management standpoint. He works on a ton of that stuff and he doesn't, you know, he's old school, obviously he doesn't dive into the track man numbers that much. He knows when he has to and when it's important to, but yeah, Butch is, Butch is the best. And so I know he's kind of semi-retired and helping out guys here and there doesn't travel on the road anymore to any of these events, but yeah, I hope, hope Varna gets it done. And Shane Lowry, man, he's, he's either going to win soon or he's just going to implode soon. Cause I, there's a fiery Irish man in, in there and looking to come out and, it's it's starting to frustrate him. He's going to look like well, his caddy soon, which is a pretty sure it's his dad. But <laughs> well, he's been cashing a lot of big checks, so I'm sure he's been able to wipe his tears with hundreds uh, anytime he gets yeah. frustrated. But at the same time, no, you look at a guy who's obviously going to win more. He's been around for a while. He's cemented himself as someone who can play in big tournaments. I mean, you see him contend at the Masters. Uh, you see him come right off that and just keep it rolling right in contention here. Um, the guy gets it done. I like the way he gets it done. Uh, again, field player, um, just rolls it. And if nothing else, I'd love to have a beer with him. <laughs> yeah, I'd have and, a beer with both of those guys. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I always respect a guy that can chip and putt his face off too. So he's got he's got some damn good hands. Yeah, like he can. I mean, he he can work his way around the green for sure. I, I was I was going to comment. I do. I I really like Harold Varner. Varner. I would like to see him get it done too. I mean, I love his, his comments. I think he's just super real. Um, I don't know, Mike, if you wanted to comment on uh, his or talk about his comments on Homa, uh, I think they were kind of taken out, taken out of context, but they basically asked what they thought about Max Homa's uh, not Max Homa, Morgan Hoffman, his return and, and him fighting MS and in a roundabout way, um, uh, uh, Harold Varner basically said, look, I don't really care about what he's got going on. And he, he led up to this explaining why he said that. Um, and it, th- that was obviously the only, the only part of the the conversation that they quoted. I don't care about Max Homa, which he didn't. Actually, mean I actually didn't see any of this. This is all yeah, news he, to me. Yeah. He, he basically, he basically went in depth and said, look, we've all got things that we're working on and we're fighting, you know, wish him well, but, I'm not, I'm not focused on him and what he's got going on. I've got my own battles that I'm trying to, you know, fight and, 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 and try to overcome. So he, he said it in an eloquent way when you watch the whole interview or listen to the whole interview. Um, but he finished it off with like, kind of, I don't really care about Max Homa or, or Morgan Hoffman um, and, or, or something along those lines and, and people have made headlines, but it really, he was just trying to say, we've all got, We've all got stuff. All of the guys out there have families. They all have problems. They all have things they're trying to overcome. And, you know, if you have to answer questions about other guys all the time, it, it does get a little frustrating. Um, and I'm sure that's why there was a lot of resentment to Tiger, you know, early on, because everyone wanted to ask 
all the uh, media wanted to ask the other players about Tiger and like, look, I don't look, I don't care. You know, I've got to focus on what I'm doing this week It's hard enough. Like I, I can't, I don't have a comment on Tiger. I really don't have anything like Tiger's Tiger. He's going to do his thing and I've got to focus on me. Um, and I think that's kind of where it, you know, it stemmed from him. He's, he he's played with Morgan the first battles. few days, right? What's that? He, did. he was paired yeah, with Morgan the first the, few days too. Yeah, I think so. So that's, that's I think that's the why they probably to. asked him. Um, and yeah. I, and again, I think he did give them some some insight early on, but they kind of kept asking him. He's like, "Look, I'm I'm I got to do my thing, you know," which I respect. I mean, it's it's hard to do that, and um, you know, especially when you're under the microscope. And he's he's been playing a lot better, rec- uh, you know, in the last six months, especially after he won over in that in that country. I can't what was the name of it again? Where he won? It was the Saudi Invitational. Oh, okay. Oh, that's it, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, look, I can be bought. I'm available. <laughs> So yeah, speaking of Morgan Hoff, let's begin of Morgan Hoffman. You know, kudos to him. Shoots a one under. Was it one under or even on even, even on day? Yeah, even day one, one over, misses the cup or misses the cup by I think one. Uh, played on well. the tournament. Played well. I, I tell you, he did better than I thought he would. You two know. year after a two year absence. Yeah, almost four years. Is it really four years? Yeah, 2018 wow. was his last event. So I don't know when in 2018, but you're talking three and a half, four years. Since his last well, event. And he was under par all day. You know, he he, he was, finished poorly both days, actually. That's exactly right. So, you know, he was he was right there. And I can only imagine that, you know, you get out there early after being gone that long and you get it going a little bit and you get the juices flowing and you feel good. And you, you hate to say that pressure mounts, but we all know to anyone who's not played in a long time and you get it out there and you get it going a little bit, especially in a big format like that or a big uh you know, a big tournament like that, it, it it's tough to put it out of your mind. It's yeah. tough to finish it off without any thoughts of like, Ooh, man, all right, I got, I got a chance here. I, I, I <laughs> and it, it, you, you play a little different. I mean, you, you all of a sudden might get a little bit more conservative, especially if you haven't done it in a while, you know, keeping the throttle down. Um, <laughs> it, it often only comes, um, you know, from guys that have it going or uh, amateurs that have a really good buzz on. Uh, that's those are <laughs> normally the only two only two times you see it. You know, it's 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 a tour pro who knows what he's doing, or it's another guy who could close his eyes and it's just his day because he's had 19 Miller lights. Well, we and we talked about how it was going to be a challenge for Tiger. You know, competitive golf. He was playing a bunch in Florida and just the feels and this and that. And I guarantee you, Tiger's prep at least where he was playing and what he was doing was better than what Morgan Hoffman was prepping. I mean, hell Tiger's got a short game facility in his backyard. You know, Morgan Hoffman was living in the jungle in Costa Rica. Don't know yeah. what kind of golf course he was playing on to prepare for this. And I know there was a story. He came out and he was, he was playing at a hoopie uh, for a week or so when he came back to the States to get ready for this, but still one week at a hoopie is not quite the same. I know the article said he was about an hour and a half away from the nearest golf course. So it wasn't like he was doing going there. Just, you know, I'm going to jot down from my house real fast and, and work on my short game, you know? So yeah, kudos. I, I know he did say after that he's, he's fully invested. It sounds like, you know, he's got two more starts on the exemption. He's going to try to get some sponsors exemptions, which I'm sure he will. He says he's going to do some Monday qualifiers to try to get in some events. So we'll see. Now he was hitting the ball. Absolutely nowhere. Yeah, really? Yeah. I'm trying to pull up his stats. I, I did read one, um, 
one reporter who was following him was saying that Matt Fitzpatrick and Varner were like blowing it by him 30 or 40 yards. And neither of those guys are that long. It's funny when you don't use those muscles, like, you know, the repetition of being able to hit the ball straight and the skill, the skill of it, the skill set of being able to control the face is, I think, easily, you know, discoverable when you've been out for that long. But those golf muscles in terms of speed, they they go quick when you don't use them, you know, and it sounds like obviously, like you said, he hasn't been able to really use those under competition. So I'm sure they're everything's just a little slow. Yeah, average 275 off the tee. Wow, that's really slow. <laughs> well, granted, I mean, I, I and I don't know that those are only driver holes or what. I, again, I, we're talking about a course that they don't hit driver at a bunch, but yeah. um, even still, that I forget who it was that tweeted it. One of the journalists that was out there was, you know, when they were all hitting the same club or hitting driver, he was a good thirty yards behind them. So it was a good a good uh, course choice for him to come back on. You know, it's not like he's going to come back on Quail Hollow. And try to compete yeah. there at seventy five hundred yards, but we'll see how that that shakes out for him in the uh, in the coming months. But yeah, kudos, kudos to him. All right, so here's a little bit of a a would you rather, and I I, I can't take credit for this. I heard this on another golf podcast, but it kind of stemmed from a, a Jordan Spieth topic. Would you rather play around a golf where you hit it great, drive it irons? hitting it, flushing it awesome, but can't make a putt and just putting terrible. Or play around where you're chipping and putting your ass off, but just hitting it all over the place. I'd really hit it good. Do we shoot the same number? Are you asking if we shot the same number? No, just what would you rather do? Yeah, I think that's the I think that's it. You shoot the same number. Okay. If you told me I would go out and shoot 69 and hit it great and not not really make anything i would take that way over it's way less stress it's easy it's fun you're like hey i'm hitting it great yeah i just didn't make any putts today maybe tomorrow i make make some putts but without if, you, if i go out there and hit it like crap and hit eight or nine greens and then have to scramble around for 69 which i've done i did that for like 15 years and that's miserable i'm surprised well, i made it that, i'm surprised i made it that long <laughs> well let's take it one step further let's let's just say that's your career who do you want to be known as? You know, and I'll say this: there are some guys that we know that have been great ball strikers that have stayed out there. They just don't win a lot, a la Charles Howell the third. Um, I don't really know anyone who's made it solely on putting. If you can't make it tee to green, no, I agree. No, I and I'm not even. Stuff. I'm not even talking from PJ Tour level. Just maybe Peter just... Malnati, Jay. What do you think? Yeah. Peter, I love Peter. He's what a great guy. But he, he's it's awesome. It's a great story. He, ma- he is like maximized. He's talking maximized about him like his, he's a make a wish kid. It was close to a bless his heart. I'm telling you, that was. That was. I mean, it was literally like we were going into a 30 for 30. You know, got a great story here. You know, make a wish foundation. Um, that's it is. His story is pretty great. Um, it is pretty great that he he's, like I said, we talk about Jordan Speed maximizing potential, and Peter is, is one of those guys. And I mean, hey, I, I'm I'm the first to congratulate him because you know he's maximized everything and he's been on the PJ Tour for ten years. I mean, it's an incredible story, um, you know. And there's plenty of guys who could would tell would convince themselves that they're more maybe more skilled or more talented. I wouldn't say more skilled, more talented. 
Um, but hey, he's been out there for 10 years and some of those guys are sitting at home. So doing a podcast. You know, here we are. <laughs> lunging, <laughs> lunging toilets. The bacon neck collar on his deep V T shirt currently. <laughs> hey, I'm just happy you're you're still awake currently for this podcast. Yeah. Uh, we I haven't got to our last so segment. Interesting last week that you know, <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, my picks sucked. <laughs> sure, if it was your picks or your delivery or a little bit of both or what? I'm not gonna... if, if Jay's Uh-oh. falling asleep, what are the listeners doing? Well, <laughs> you know, early I was going to bring it up earlier because you were talking about how you said you had caddied at Harbor Town, and I was getting ready to say, well. My, Jay, I'm not sure if you heard this. He said this last week, but this was the part that you had fallen asleep at. <laughs> I was dozing. I was dozing. It was a late. It was a late night. Late pod. It was a full day. <laughs> All right. Let me. I want. I want to get your on this. Would you rather? I want to get your mindset as a player. So the round that you're hitting it awesome, but not making any putts. Don't you feel that you can then have put some pressure on your long game and say, God damn, I have to hit it to three feet in order to make a birdie. Does no, that, does that trickle down into the long game and then you start hitting it poorly where, where vice versa, if you're hitting it like crap for the first nine holes, but you're chipping and putting your ass off, that's, you could then not, say, just give me it. Just give me one good, decent shot. Give me a decent look at birdie. I'm going to make it kind of thing. I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the, would you rather though? I think. No, it, no, I'm not asking who, that. Would you rather? I'm just saying, what's your mentality like? Um, look, I can promise, uh, I've may have had a ton of grounds where I, I hit the ball great and don't make a lot. I enjoy getting up on the tee and being able to take out that frustration, but feel in control of what I'm doing. And also there's nothing better, no better feeling than a flush iron shot. Yeah. A putt going in, it does feel good, but it impact the sensations not there. Like it is with a flush iron shot. And I can promise you the feeling of a thin off-center iron shot is so much worse consistently doing that than missing a couple of putts here and there and still and still salvaging a decent round because what we're talking about is a career. Who do you want to be known as, right? So I imagine there's a decent, some decent play behind that. Again, I'm not even talking about a career. I'm just talking about you go out this weekend and play. What would yeah, you rather I would do? Rather, I would much rather hit the ball really well and not make anything. Uh, that's without question. I, I, so the way I look at it, you know, to your point, Mike, I always feel like you have a you have a certain amount of like I call it juice, but or a, a, a certain amount of 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 grind juice that you can use throughout a round, like. I'm not going to make going to catch up to you at some point. Yeah. It's going to catch up to you at some point. Like if I start the front nine and I miss five greens on the front and I get up and down and make like, you know, a couple six footers, a couple eight footers and a 15 footer. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm maxed out, you know, like I'm not going to make all those the whole time. So I feel like it's more pressure on my long game. When I, when I do that, I'm like, okay, if you don't hit the green this time, there's a good chance that you're not going to be able to get them down. You're going to get a bad break or you're going to get a bad lie out of the, you know, out of the rough or off the green and you're not going to be able to get it close. Even if you do get it close, you hit it to four or five feet. Like there's no guarantee that you're going to make those putts all the time. So that, that's, that's the way I'll, I've always looked at it. So I felt like when I was hitting it poorly and still getting up and down, I knew that there was a, a shelf life to that. 
Um, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to make all those spots. Now there were some days that I did and you, you got up and down and you hit like eight or nine greens and you still shoot 67, 68. And you're like, that's a freaking miracle, you know, cause I only hit eight greens and I birdied five of the eight, you know, that's, that doesn't happen. You know, you just, but typically if you're going to hit the ball that poorly, you're going to make your fair share of bogeys just because of, like we've said, the putting is so difficult, you know, and, and it's, it, it, there's just no way to, um, be great at it consistently because there's so many elements and it's the margins are so small. Like, you know, you can be the best putter in the world and only make, you know, 30% of your 15 footers or whatever the stat is, you know? So, and, and that's, and it, same thing as you, the, the closer you move to the hole, you're still, the, the odds go up of, of missing the putt. But if you hit the green, the margins are so big. If I can just hit the green and then the chances of me two putting go up exponentially. So it's like, okay, just hit If I can just hit in the fairway or in in play and hit the green, there's a good chance that I'm going to either make a birdie or make a par. Occasionally I may three putt, but more times than not, I'm going to make more birdies than I am three putts. If you're a decent player. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I I would always favor for favor to uh, ball striking. I also don't know which way I would go. I'm definitely the player currently that hits the ball like crap and gets up and down a ton. So it'd be cool to hit it really good for a change. Um, yeah. And I can attest that, yeah, it does wear on you at some point having to get up and down. But I do I do love a good up and down, though. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I love making a, a nice putt. I don't, I, just, I don't know. I'm a, I'm, I got a soft spot for the short game. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I skank it all over the place and get up and down. So that's kind of my game. All right. I've got the decision maker right here. So I had to pull this up and I will need to go a little bit deeper if we look at, you know, putts per grain regulation. But basically they talk about this as a um, strokes gain percentage. The top guys in strokes gain putting is Tyrrell Hatton, Brian Gay, Cameron Smith, Lucas Herbert, Kelly Kraft, Brendan Todd, Bo Hostler. Tommy Fleetwood, Matt Kuchar, Billy Horschel. So it takes down to get the number eight in putting before you find someone that you consider, you know, kind of one of the top players or someone that's got had a big career. You know, moving moving down from there, you got Kuchar who has to rely on it because of his distance. Billy Horschel's been having a hell of a year, so you can't blame it totally on. Uh, I can't say that he's making it just on putting. Kevin Kisner is down at eleven, guy who's hits it decent but really puts it well. Then you got Martin Trainer, Mackenzie Hughes. Shane Lowry, Adam Scott, Scotty Scheffler. So you see, we got some big names there. And Scotty Scheffler, obviously, with the way he's been playing, makes a lot of sense why we see him up that high. You're not winning that many golf tournaments putting bad. But when you go back to that top five, you know, you just run down that top five again. Tyrrell Hatton, Brian Gay, Cameron Smith, Lucas Herbert, Kelly Craft. Um, those are. And McLean is gone. But he. <laughs> He would be pissed at me when he's going to hear what I said. Like, I know, McLean, we've talked about this. I'm not talking career-long PGA Tour. We know yeah. ball striking is, is king out there, and we've said it on every episode that we've done of this, and, and the, the best putters don't make as much money as the best ball strikers. I understand that. I'm just talk- I was just an interesting debate. As a one-off, one-round, what would you yeah. prefer as an average Joe going to play this weekend? Not a yeah. PGA Tour year or, or career. That's not what yeah. I was going after because I, I know what those stats are. You know, I uh, j- just a good example. I mean, I don't get to play that much, but I think it was a couple of weeks ago I played and I think I hit 
One overly difficult golf course. It's the public golf course, Mill Quarter uh, Plantation in, in my hometown in Powhatan. And it's a fun golf course. It's just right around 7,000 yards. Um, it's an Ed Alt design. Um, so nothing, nothing crazy. Um, but I hit like, I don't know, 11 or 12 fairways and I hit maybe 16 greens and shot like a couple under par. And I had a blast. Like I had a good, I had a good time. I don't, I think the match worked out pretty even. Nobody really won or lost any money, but it was fun. But if I had shot 70 and with the stress of missing greens and having to get up and down, I would have, it wouldn't have been as fun to me. Um, in my opinion, because I, I left there and that's, I guess it's just a personal preference. You know, when you, yeah. you, you kind of, when you kind of validate your, your, your game and you look at it and you kind of categorize it and where is my game right now? And if you have a day where you go out and, and hit the ball great and just don't make any putts for somebody who's not a great ball striker, typically you're going to be like, Hey, this was fun. But if you're a great ball striker all the time and you don't make any putts, I could see where that person would be like, yeah, this I played terribly um, because I didn't make any putts. And it's all about your your view of yourself. Um, so for me, you know, I've always been kind of a streaky ball striker. So I'm not I'm not going to say, you know, I'm a bad ball striker. I, I feel like I've had my moments where I'm really a really good ball striker. But um Typically, it's been a little streaky. I've always been a little bit more consistent with short game and putting and driving. So for me, if I have a day where I'm hitting my irons well, then I'm I walk off. I feel pretty good. Regardless. Welcome back, McLean. It's great to be here. I, I misjudged the amount of juice the battery had left. Ah, uh, there you go. I was curious <clears> what happened. <throat> uh, yeah, I was I was giving you a hard time when you logged off. I was. There. I expect nothing less. You can you can listen back, but well, but to finish my take real quick. The only thing I was going back and saying, if you look at the top five, I, I consider those guys almost fringe players. Um, and you know, Tyrrell Hatton's had a great career, but at the same time, he's better known for throwing clubs than he is for actually using them. Um, when you look at a lot of those guys, they, they've they kept their cards and they've been around for a little bit, but you don't see the top guys up there succeeding by just using that putter. No, 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 no. And so that's what's how I gave you a hard time is I was not, I didn't bring up the, would you rather based on a PGA tour career or season? Cause we, I understand that it's ball striking is King and not the putters. I sure. was just as a one-off round, you go out this weekend and play. What would you rather do not to make a career on the PGA tour? Cause we understand it's, it's, it's hit it long hit it somewhat straight and then flush your irons. That's, that's what makes the money. And that's, what's on the top, top 10 of the world rankings. That's what my, well, that wasn't what yeah. I was arguing. Well, I wasn't on the weekend. That definitely feels better. I want to walk back in the house and someone asked me how I played. Like I striped it today. Absolutely. Yeah, striped it. Right. Just a couple of putts, but man, shot, I was hitting shot it. even, but I striped it, striped it. Yeah. That my, that's at, it. at my day and age. Yeah. Those, those rounds are definitely more prevalent than they are when my short games dialed in. I can say that much. All right, so let's – we're getting close to our picks, but a little bit of Saudi news. Yep, Saudi, I said it, said the word. We had our first <laughs> name. Craig. No longer report on the PGA Tour. You've been banned. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Norman has his first player who has reached out to the PGA Tour to ask for permission to play in the Saudi event in London in June. Drum roll, please. Robert Garrigus. We like big name, huh? Huge name. You know, Norman came out. I think it was last week. Oh, yeah. I've got now that the Masters is over. You know, I'll, 
we're going to see all these guys start fleeing. And I, I've talked to a former number one player in the world, a two-time major winner. I'm assuming that's Martin Keimer because, he, yes, he was number one in the world. He has two majors. There was links of Bubba. Then Bubba came out with his – he just like on Twitter, he's like, hey, in case anyone's curious, here's my schedule for the summer and put, listed all the events he was playing in by month, meaning like there's no Saudi events on this yeah. calendar. And so, I don't know, it was just a, a chuckle. You know, I texted you guys the, the screenshot of the article, and it was Eamon Lynch that had it first. And, uh, yeah, Robert I mean, Garrigus, yeah. man, talk about a, another wash-up. Yeah, well, I think that that's, again, we've talked about this. I, I don't foresee any young, big-name Americans making this jump unless something really changes or it really catches catches when say they get 40 guys and they start having tournaments and the money's there and they can see it, they can see it happen. Um, then, then I could see maybe you get a couple guys, but you're going to get a lot of European guys that really don't have any allegiance to the PJ tour. And a lot of European guys that are at the tail end of their career. And this is a chance for them to make some money. They know they're not going to win a major again. Uh, they're not really going to compete on the PGA Tour, and this is a chance for them to make a bunch of money. Um, and you look, a perfect example, Garrigus, he hasn't he hasn't competed uh, and been in contention in a PGA Tour event in four four years, four or five years. So, I, you know, I, sure, I mean, great for him. I mean, that's a great move. I mean, if they're going to pay you some type of tee up fee to go do this, then that's amazing. You should 100% go do this. For your family, um, that's a no-brainer because you're not doing it on the PJ Tour. Um, so I don't blame him one bit. Um, but I, I feel like that's the trend. You're going to see a lot of these guys, at least for the next 20 guys that come out, um, until they get to a point where they played a couple events and the players can see that money is being paid out, then you may see some more guys trickle in. But until then, you're going to yeah. see some of the old guys. Well, I think you'll definitely see – a lot of corn fairy and guys that have aged out a little bit or guys that are fringe players that definitely make that move. You know, you can't tell me someone that's between 175 and, you know, 200, 175 and 100 on the money list is getting ready to turn down a bunch of guaranteed money. No, barring, I don't him. barring him not having a ton of career earnings behind him. And even if he does looking at what gives him the best opportunity to, to, take a quick cash grab. I mean, you think mm -hmm. about it, if you go over there and knock back six, 8 million in a matter of 12 months before all the other players come over there, you, you don't need to play anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for some of the older players, the, the one question will be, how does your, how does, how does the PGA tour view their pension? Cause there's so many different qualifications to, to reach this pension, you know, career starts, career cuts made, uh, career money, career, you know, Very there's true. all these different layers. And we all know, we've talked about this, the PJ tour, you know, pension plan is, is amongst the best of all professional sports. Um, so I think that's probably why you, you still are seeing some of these older guys, not quite diving in yet. I think it's, they're trying to balance the, the finances. You know, it's like, Hey, if, if I do take this chance and they're guaranteeing 20 million and I've got the pension here, what is that pension like? Can they legally withhold that from me if I go play in another another tour? I personally, I I think it's bullshit if the the PGA Tour bans a, a player from playing their tour again or bans them from 
receiving any pension. Like they have the right to play in whatever they want. If, if you want to say, Hey, you, you know, you need to apply, reapply to play on our tour and, and meet the certain qualifications and exemptions. That's one thing. Um, as long as it's within the, the, I mean, there's only how many events have they even said that they've, they've got over there? You know, 12. Uh, well, no, this, this year it's only what seven, seven. So what, I mean, seven or eight. Then they said that's going to, there's going to be maybe be a little bit more next year. And then I think Norman said that the real big year is 2024 is where it's going to be in its own tour right now. It's just like a side series on the Asian tour kind of thing. It sounds like they're trying to ramp up to 2024. So I don't know what that final, I think the initial plan was like 18 events. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's, I, I, I don't know if I don't, I'm not in these guys shoes, but if it were me and I've been on tour for 15 years and I've got, you know, a, some, a, some type of pension retirement plan built up with PJ tour based on career starts and career earnings. And I'm talking to my lawyer to see what, and if they can withhold this from me, if I go play in another, another event, if I'm a journeyman who had a couple good years and made a bunch of, you know, a shit ton of starts and a shit ton of, uh, like somebody like a Vaughn Taylor, like as a, you know, couple, couple time PJ tour winner, but has played out there for 20 plus years. It's like, Hey, if they offered him 20 million, 25 million to go play for one year, you know, I, I don't, they I don't personally see how the PJ tour could withhold that money from him. I don't know. I mean, I, I again, I don't, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I would definitely be, consulting with a lawyer to see what are the, what, what's the legality of me trying to go play in this, in this event uh, or not event, but on the store. So I think there's a bunch of 40, 40 somethings that are looking at this really hard because they're, they're weighing their options. Like, I, you know, am I going to win a major? How many more PGA tour events am I going to play in? If I got a chance to go get a money grab, you know, towards the tail end of my career, I can do it right off into the sunset and, um, and then be done with it. Um, but I, th- you know, it's tough. It's tough for some of those guys. They they do have a name and they have a reputation and they're probably trying to save face a little bit until it's something that's guaranteed. You know, I think it's still all up in the air because there hasn't been a, an event played yet and money paid. So that that's always scary. Uh, somewhat of a side note. I want your quick predictions here. We haven't seen Phil in a while. I think he's suspended by the PGA Tour, which means he could have played in the Masters, but he didn't. He's defending at the PGA Championship in a month. Do we see him defend his PGA Championship? Yes. Do we see him before that? Again, no. if he's suspended by the PGA Tour, he I don't know, he might not be able to play any warm-up events prior because the PGA Championship, again, is not run by the PGA Tour. They, they have their own. So, I mean, ideally, you would think you'd want a uh, you know, some sort of warm up tiger. Yeah. Didn't, so maybe not, but do you think he will defend? Yeah, but I definitely even, think even he will. Still, I, I think the PGA tour and the PGA of America, I know that they're two separate entities, but they are intertwined um, in a lot of ways. So I, I wonder if he is, if he is suspended, I wonder if the, if the PGA of America honors that suspension, because says, you know what, hey, if you don't want to let him play in your events, he's not playing in ours. So that that's the only question I have. If 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 that's not the case, if the PGA of America says, hey, if you want to play, you're you're the defending champion, you can play. Then I think Phil plays. 
Okay. But if he doesn't, then I think it's strictly because the PGA Tour and the PGA of America have both agreed to to honor whatever suspensions that that they've set in place. So it just it's just funny. Someone brought it up. Uh, it was Bob Herrick has a has a book coming out uh, called Tiger versus Phil, and just mm-hmm. kind of talks about their rivalry slash relationship and what they've all been through over the years and and the kind of their career paths and. You know, I heard him in an interview kind of pumping his book and um, he thinks he's suspended. He thinks it kind of sounded like Bob Harrigan thought he was still going to go to the Saudi tour. He was like, if you go back and read the quote unquote apology, he didn't really apologize. He apologized to the Saudis more than he did anyone else and then just tried to play victim yeah. with his quotes. So anyway, I, I don't know the, the the shadow of Phil, I think, will be getting bigger. I think some people have forgot about him the last yeah. month or two. But now with the, the PGA Championship, you know, the Masters done, the PGA Championship is next up. Um, he's going to come, you know, full circle right back here for Phil to yeah. either sit there and defend and answer all the questions. And at some point, he's going to have to come talk to the media. Yeah. And he can't hide behind a statement. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting with him. We shall see. So, all right, let's get to our picks. I absolutely hate my picks. I don't like this event. <laughs> okay, so we got the we got the Zurich Classic, which is they've now done in the last few years a two man event. It is uh, I want to say two rounds of foursomes, which is alternate shot. Two rounds of four ball, which is best ball. And you know, as as you look on DraftKings, they put each player on the same team as the same amount, and you can't take players from the same team. So you got to take basically players from essentially six different teams. What you're, Effectively, you know. yeah, you're just betting teams. And I would look at one team like, oh, I like that guy. Who the hell is his partner? Like, there's some really weird pairings, especially you start going down yeah. the board as you do in DraftKings to try to get the, the so salary I think cap. They, well, I you think admit to that as a down, member of the media. They go down the list, and if you uh, – they go – the top players – have the the right to pick their teammate is basically yeah i think that's how it works yes so they keep going down and if you're say you're top 75 and and you've committed to this event and then you get to pick your teammate regardless of who it is it doesn't matter who your teammate is you can pick them i mean brooks kepka picked his brother who had no status um was playing mini tour golf and you know he they obviously played it together so you're going to see some names that you've never heard of I, I think for the most part, most of these guys pair up with other PGA Tour players. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, some maybe some guys that are you know kind of struggling for starts or whatever, but um, that's kind of that's kind of how they how they pick them. But um, yeah, there's some definitely some unique names on there that you haven't seen. All right, I'm gonna go first because again, like I said, I absolutely hate my picks. Just couldn't come up with a great lineup to fit the salary. What's that? I feel like that's how you win because I'm confident every week and I fucking suck. I won this past <laughs> week. Somehow I'll get, I tied actually with my assistant, Adam Kozlerich. We tied in DraftKings. I don't know what happened. There was some sort of stat correction. We both had zero holes remaining and I had a one point lead. And then I went back to look after the playoff. I don't know if that somehow the playoff affected us. Either, neither of us had those players and I had lost a point and we tied. So, but anyways, yeah, I feel awful this week. I don't know why I picked half these guys. So, uh, I'll start at the bottom. Uh, Scott Stallings 
And I guess Bryce Garnett, 7,200. <laughs> I guess. Sure. Um, <laughs> Scott Stallings was born in the same city as me. We'll go with that. He, he can make some birdies in a heartbeat, so we'll hopefully he gets, gets hot there. Then I'm going to go up to actually one team that I really like, and I thought it was a good value, Sahith Thagala and Bo Hostler. Both of them playing well this year. $7,500. I thought that was kind of a kind of a steal there. So I like I like that matchup um, of those two. Then I go up to Keith Mitchell and Brant Snedeker, Sea Island boys. Again, Mitchell in this kind of format can light it up and make a bunch of birdies in the four ball. You know, let who is he playing with? Sorry. Snedeker. He's playing with Sneds, okay. And you know, Sneds in the in the alternate shot can can make some clutch up and downs, some par saves when they need it. So I like them. Then I go up to another player who's been playing well as of late, um, Seb Straka, eighty three hundred, mm. uh, paired with Grayson Sig, who's kind of up and coming, hasn't had the greatest year uh, as he graduated from the Corn Ferry Tour. But Strzok has been playing his ass off, so I like him. Then I go up to uh, the winners. I'm just going to say right now, the winners, Taylor Gooch and Max Homa, $9,100. Guys that have been playing well all year, no major flaws. The winners. Winners, I'm wow. going to call it. Why the hell not? Yeah. What's, some, what's, what are the, what's, what's it, the buddy. line on those two guys? Uh, I, put I don't know. I'm, I'll, put some, I'll put a couple of shekels down. The shekels. When you're talking about two top 40 players in the world, McLean, I don't know why you're looking at me like I'm an idiot, but they're best friends. So I like the two of them. And then I'm going to go up $10,000, Sam Burns and Billy Horschel. So I guess I picked Sam Burns. I don't know how I did that, but does it, does it matter? Or I, you're getting the same amount of points, right? No matter who you pick on the team. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so then I got Sam Burns there and, and Billy Horschel. Again, I don't really like my picks. One bet. Who's up? I'll go. Well, um, careful. Hey, McLean, maybe McLean should go because Jay was just yawning. So <laughs> should you go first just to make sure that I don't fall asleep? Maybe I'll fall asleep during my pitch. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to go. All right. So I have, I'm not ready. Hang on. Go back. <laughs> Hold on. I just messed up on one of my picks. I was pulling it up and I missed it. I messed it up. I'm ready. All right. Go, Jack. All right. I'm going to start from the bottom. Uh, 7,100. I've got Sam Ryder, Doc Redman, two dudes who just fly by the seat of their pants and can make a shit ton of birdies. I almost so, picked them. Um, and, and and Sam's been playing some decent golf, uh, kind of up and down. But like I said, in a team format, like I feel like he thrives in something like this. Um, so we'll give him a shot, see how they do. Uh, 7,500. Alexander Norin and Mr. Norlander. Mm. Um, this Sweet. is a weird pick, but Norin's been playing really well this year. Um, so, I, you know, really, other than that, I just feel like he's been playing well, and it's always nice to have a a guy, um, say, so, so for Norlander, who has kind of been up and down, if you're paired up with a guy who's really solid, really stable, it kind of frees you up in this kind of format. And I, it seems to pull the best out of these guys who are talented. I mean, Norlander's a talented dude, um, but just hasn't been playing super sharp. So 
maybe this format can really kind of open it up for him, knowing that he's playing with a guy who's really solid, which uh, which is Alexander Norin. So especially at seventy five hundred bucks. Um, next up on the list, past champs Kevin Kisner, Scott Brown. These guys are, are you know they're butt buddies. They've been, I mean, thirty years. They've known more than that. They grew up playing junior golf together, college golf, mini tour golf. They've won this tour event before. And Scott hasn't been playing that great, um, but Kisner has. So, again, same same scenario as uh, Norin Norlander. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they were in the hunt um, at $7,600 for a past champion. That's a pretty good price. Um, then I go to uh, Joaquin Neiman and uh, Mito Pereira. Both guys, tons of firepower. Um, they're a little higher priced than 9200 Oh, did we lose Jay? We just lost him. He's frozen. Frozen. Frozen in time. All right, McLean, you go until we get Jay back. <laughs> All right. Um, Mike, I do have to be honest with you. I may lose, but I it, right now at this moment, how we sit, I don't like your team either. Okay. He's straight up with you. And I, I mean that in the most positive way possible. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Also, on a very positive note, thank you. Um, I'm starting with my thoroughbred. It should be to no surprise. I'm back on the train, Mr. Ryan Palmer. Well, it's easy to hop on the train now because he's got the number one player in the world as his partner. Look, it, it, the stars align for me. You know, I'm right back on top, Mr. RP, all the way. The guy has an average um, world ranking of 4.3. In this event, yeah. Did you see JT sent him a tweet? <laughs> no, giving him, giving him JT sent him a tweet, giving him crap for his partners because his last three partners are Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, and Jordan Spieth in this thing. Yeah, he's like, what? Yeah, that's easy to pair with those guys. Hey, buddy, if if you can get it, it, it works. And the funny <laughs> thing is, they 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 contact. They want to play with him. Yeah, for how I understand how it went down, they want to play with him. Yeah, because they have the priority because they're higher ranked. So they correct. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. That's how it goes down. Um, but yeah, RP love it going all the way with him. Um, and that, that my friend, I do think is the winning group. I, I will say, I, I do think that is the winning group. I mean, we don't need to talk about who Scheffler is right now. And Brian Palmer, um, I've only gone into depth on him like 60 out of the last 65 episodes. <laughs> so moving down from there, Ben on and son J M at 8,700. I like them. They both had nice years, um, playing decent. Uh, I think again, guys are going to play well together. Good friends. I think they're going to do do something with it. Um, moving down from there, Davis Riley and Will Zalatoris. Davis Riley's kind of he's had some hit or miss uh, times, but Will Zalatoris obviously has been playing fantastic. Look for them to continue it. Um, moving down from there, we have we do have some similarities here. Double J's back. That's fun. Um, beyond that, we've got Doc Redman and Sam Ryder. I think Sam Ryder's been having a hell of a year. Doc Redman has has jumped up there a couple of times. He's 10 of 17 and cuts made, but we've seen him contend and, and pop in there a couple of times. Um, under that, Grayson Sig and Sepp Straka. Grayson Sig, you know, has only missed four cuts this year. He doesn't have any top tens, but he's he has been competitive. And you have Sepp Straka, who's had obviously kind of his breakout season, as we see. You know, well, it's maybe tough to label that at this stage in his career, but certainly. He's more well-known in this very moment than he's ever been in his career. 
Um, and then following it up, Mr. Harry Higgs and Alex Smotherland. Smotherman. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to take Higgs, but then I was like, I don't know who his partner is. So Alex Smotherman, no, I, I know who he is. And these guys are going to go have fun. And in a team format, when you're having fun, it usually leads to low scores. I have no questions at all that these guys are going to have a good time out there. So um, yeah, I kind of like it. The one pick that I really, I really, really like, and I thought I had on my team and I messed it up and I went back. Um, I did miss the Scott Brown, uh, Kevin Kisner pick. And I think that is going to be a strong team. Uh, I can't wait to see who the rest of Jay's team is. Hey, Jay, welcome back. How are we doing? <laughs> We hey, lost you there, so we just, conti- we just continued. Uh, we have two of you on our screen now, in case you're wondering. Great. So uh, you were at uh, Joaquin Neiman. You were breaking that team down when you cut out on us. Yeah, no, I just said uh, Neiman and Pereira, they've, they've both been playing great all year. And for that price, I think they can make a bunch of birdies together. Um, uh, so then I jumped up. I actually missed... Uh, you know, a lower, lower tiered price at 70, 7,800 bucks, Wyndham Clark and Cameron Tringali. And I, I, I have no idea why I picked these guys. Honestly. <laughs> um, I, I think I read an article that said that they would play well, which doesn't make any sense to me. So I really don't have any, any, uh, great, uh, any great, uh, insight on t- as to why they would play well. So, um, other than the fact that Wyndham Clark is a PXG guy and that's awesome. Um, and then lastly, at, at 10, seven, Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa. Wow. Two young studs that like, I've, they've got to be the front runners here. I mean, that's a good, that's a good pairing. These two guys playing together. I mean, super solid all the way around. And Victor can hide his chipping woes with Morikawa because, and, and Morikawa can hide his putting woes. Because they're both going to be hitting every fairway, every green, so it doesn't really matter. So, I think they win, in my opinion. All right, I like it. Uh, we'll see. Again, I, I really don't like my team. McLean hates my team. You missed that, Jay. You said he hated my team. <laughs> I didn't say I, didn't, I hate it. I just have. A... I didn't. I didn't fucking ask for his opinion, but he gave it about my team. <laughs> you didn't like it, and as I'm listening to it, I'm like, yeah, you're right. I don't fucking like it either. I. I, I <laughs> I was a little bit softer about it at first, but now you've kind of dug into it. So I'm just going to be fine. Now I fucking love my team. If you hate it, I love it because I beat you more <laughs> than these DraftKings and you beat me. So, so <laughs> I, I was being nice and friendly about it. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't really like that so much either. Now you've taken it to the next level and you just fucked yourself karma wise. So <laughs> sit back and take a seat. All right. All right. Uh, All right. Jen, say anything else? No, that's good. Let's can't wait to get get the week started on this Zurich Classic. It's just one of my favorite weeks Com- of the year. Compelling, compelling. Um, side note for the listeners: we may or may not have a show next week. We'll try to keep you posted if we can. But um, if not, we'll see. You in, we'll maybe see you next week. Maybe we'll see you in two weeks. But cheers, boys. That, take care. Cheers. Thanks, gents. Later.